Pastor Alicia has truly blessed our hearts and, and fed our souls over these last few weeks in this series, and she has taught us how, how to live ready, how to ready our hearts, how to ready our souls, how to ready our response in those challenging and difficult situations that, that we face in this life. And so we have spent the last three weeks talking about how biblically we can be ready and prepared to respond to life's toughest challenges and scenarios, whether that be a personal, uh, personal painful experience that we have experienced or gone through or an injustice that we see going on in, our, in the world around us, um, but we must know how, God's, how God desires his people to respond to those situations. So today, as we close this series, um, we're going to talk about perhaps one of the most important and most powerful aspects of our faith, how to be ready with our prayer. Ready your prayers. Somebody say, ready your prayers. In other words, what we're going to talk about today is how do we arm ourselves with the power of prayer? How do we prepare ourselves to live devoted to a life of consistent prayer? As we begin, let me ask a question. How many of us are familiar with um, the Purpose Driven Book Series? If you know what that is, just raise your hand. If you don't, I encourage you to uh, to search for it, to, to pick up a copy of any of the books in that series written by Pastor Rick Warren. But the Purpose Driven series is this compilation of writings by Pastor Warren that, that takes the groundbreaking message of being purpose driven and he goes deeper talking about the purpose-driven church and applies many of those same principles to help us understand how to live a purpose-driven life. And so this series is designed to help readers like us develop a deeper understanding of God's incredible plan for our lives. Pastor Warren enables us to see the bigger picture of what life is really all about and to help create and develop strategies to help us begin to live according to the life that God has planned and designed for us. Pastor Warren, he suggests that the most basic question for all of us in life is this, why am I here? What is my purpose? I believe it was the great Steve Harvey who quoted uh, Mark Twain in saying that the two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day that you discover why. But unlike most self-help books that suggest that, that as people we should look deep within ourselves at our own desires and our own dreams, Pastor Warren suggests that the starting place within each of us must be with God and with his eternal purpose for our lives. In other words, real meaning and significance for life comes from an understanding and a fulfillment of God's purpose for putting us on this earth. And so that's why it is important for us to prepare ourselves to live ready so that we can be in direct alignment with the purpose that God has for us. The Purpose Driven series is it's presented as a manifesto for Christian living to help us create this lifestyle based on eternal purposes 
and not cultural values. Let me say that again. The Purpose Driven Series is designed to help us understand how to create a lifestyle that's based on God's eternal purpose and not what we see going on in culture. So Warren helps us to understand, um, as he clearly explains God's purpose for our lives, that first of all, we were designed or planned for God's pleasure. In other words, we were designed for real worship. When God told Moses that he was going to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage and captivity in Egypt, he told Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh this, let God's people go so that they can worship him. Our first purpose is that we were designed for God's pleasure to worship him. Secondly, that we were designed to be formed into God's family, suggesting that our second purpose is to enjoy community and fellowship. Thirdly, we were uh, created to become like Christ. In other words, our third purpose is to learn real discipleship. How do we create uh, um, lasting and impactful relationships that lead people to Christ? Fourthly, he says that we were shaped to serve God, and by serving God, we do so through serving others, creating a spirit of servanthood. And then lastly, he suggests that we were made for a mission. Our fifth purpose is real evangelism. We must be a living testimony to the goodness of God. However, with all of that said, I believe one of the most impactful statements that Pastor Rick Warren makes throughout his purpose-driven compilation or series is this, and this is for my note takers. He says, the more you pray, the less you'll panic. And the more you worship, the less you'll worry. In fact, you'll feel more patient and less pressured. That's good to me. I don't know about you, so let me say that again. He says, the more you pray, the less you'll panic. And the more you worship, the less you'll worry about everything that's going on in your life. In fact, you'll feel more patient. You'll be able to sleep at night. You'll be able to rest at night. You'll be able to keep moving through life, not worried about the issues of life. So I want to offer, as I begin to segue into the meat of this message, I want to offer this thought for our consideration today. And that is perhaps the reason that many of us don't engage in prayer the way that God intended is because we are too consumed with worry. Perhaps the reason that we can't enjoy abundant life, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have life more abundantly. But perhaps the reason we can't enjoy this abundant life that God designed for us is because perhaps we, we are too consumed with the worries of life. Perhaps the reason many of us can't live ready is because we are too consumed with living worries. Now, before we jump into the text, I want to share something with you. Worry is the direct enemy to prayer. 
You got to understand where your enemy lies. Worry is the direct enemy to prayer. I was thinking about this as I was, I was preparing this week. Last weekend, um, I finally got a chance to watch Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Didn't have a chance to watch it when it first came out um, um, back in December or, or whenever that was. And so over the weekend, I took some time and I told people, don't tell me anything about the movie until I've had a chance to watch it. So I finally had a chance to watch it. And as I was watching Wakanda Forever, I was surprised by the introduction of this new villain, this, uh, this new enemy, right? So there was a new enemy that entered the storyline by the name of Namor. Namor is a submarine human-like individual with superhuman strengths and power. Right? He's also the ruler of an ancient Mayan community that lives under the sea known as the Tolokans. Much like the Wakandans, the Tolokans have access to vibranium. If you know anything about this Marvel series, Black Panther, uh, uh, vibranium is this super strong precious and rare resource that every other power country is trying is trying to steal but the Tolokans and the Wakandans are the only ones that have access to it now here's the problem Namor as the leader of the Tolokans and Queen Ramonda played by Angela Bassett as the queen of Wakanda they have two different perspectives on how to protect the vibranium from the rest of the world. Namor wants to destroy and kill everyone who threatens to steal it. But Queen Ramonda wants to protect it and preserve it under watchful care and watchful eye. In other words, one leader wants to protect while the other wants to destroy. Now, here's the message. One entity wants to protect, but the enemy wants to destroy. Prayer wants to protect your faith. Worry seeks to destroy your faith. See, prayer teaches us how to be alert. Worry leads us down this path of consumption. Worry is the direct enemy of prayer because it wants to destroy your faith. And as long as we worry, we can't activate our faith through prayer. Listen, I want us to make note of this because I want us to understand that building a consistent and a strong prayer life is not easy. It's hard. It's challenging. It's difficult. Why? Because we have so much to be worried about. It's hard because there are so many things trying to distract us and keep us concerned about the little things instead of the bigger matters, which is focusing on the purpose that God has for our lives. And so building a strong, consistent prayer life is not a walk in the park because we have so many things that threatens our faith. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. Job said, man, that's born of a woman is but a few days and those days are filled with trouble. So we have to understand that rec and recognize that building a life of faith and, and, a, and a consistent prayer life is not easy. But the Bible has the antidote. Here's the anecdote. 
Philippians 4 and 6. Let's throw that up on the screen. Philippians 4 and 6. For those of us, for those of you who do not have a Bible, we can make sure that you have one. The page number for the Bible is right up in the right left-hand corner behind me on the screen, or you can just follow, follow along on the screen. Philippians 4, chapter 6, or chapter 4, verse 6 says, it says, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, don't worry about everything that's going on around you. Instead, pray. Don't worry about what went wrong. Pray that God will fix it. Don't worry about the relationship and what happened to the relationship. Pray that God can repair it. Don't worry about losing a job. Just pray that God will bless you with a better job. Pray and submit it all to him and let God do, let God do the rest. So the antidote to the challenges that we face as we strive to live ready with our prayer is don't worry, just pray. But today I'm going to help us understand or learn how to start that process. Are you with me? You see, the first step in developing a strong prayer life and living ready with, your, with our prayers is devotion. Devotion. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. We found on page 569 in the in-house Bible. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says. I'm sorry. I got to get there myself. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2, verse, verse 4 says, or chapter 4, verse 2 says. Continue in prayer. In other words, devote yourselves to prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now, remember, I just told us that the direct enemy to prayer is worry. What do you think the direct enemy to devotion is? What do you think that thing is that prevents us from being completely and fully devoted to living a life of prayer? It's not being inconsistent. But what if I were to tell you that the direct enemy to devotion is not being willing to submit to humility? See, the reason why many of us have a hard time devoting ourselves to consistent to a consistent prayer life is because we're not willing to be humble. See, the problem is that we aren't humble enough to devote ourselves fully and completely to a lifestyle of constant prayer because we think we got everything under control. We think that we can figure it all out on ourselves. We think that we have all the resources that we need to fix the situation ourselves. Why? Because we're smart enough. Because we have the degrees, because we're experienced enough, because we're clever enough to do it all on our own and we don't necessarily need God to do it for us. The lack of humility is the direct enemy to devotion and to developing a consistent prayer life. You don't believe me? Let's back up one verse. Colossians chapter 4 verse 1 says... 
Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master that is in heaven. I've studied this text many, many times in seminary, in Bible studies and conferences, many, many times over the years. And every time, verse 1 always gets looked over and we draw our full attention to verse 2. Why? It gets looked over because it poses conflict and controversy. Come on, it's Black History Month. We can talk about it. Two words immediately present conflict and controversy. It says masters and slaves. But here's the thing. It's not really talking about masters and slaves. It's not talking about slavery. These two words present conflict and controversy. However, they're trying to teach us about humility. The writer is trying to help us understand that before we can devote ourselves in verse 2 to prayer, we have to first be willing and humble or, or willing to submit to humility to our father and our master that's in heaven. In other words, we, if we can't humble ourselves to our master in heaven, then we can't be devoted to a consistent prayer life. Why? Because humility forces us to recognize that we need God. And when we recognize that we need God, we devote ourselves to communing with him in prayer. And the more we devote ourselves to communing with God through prayer, the stronger and the more consistent and the more constant our prayer life becomes. Because we recognize that all in all, we cannot do it without God. We recognize and we acknowledge that we need to spend quality time with God, not just to dump our grocery list of everything that we want God to do in our life, but to talk to him, to have him talk to us, to allow his spirit and his presence to, to, uh, to dwell and delve deep within us and be imparted within us to lead us, to guide us, and to direct us. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven. See, if we can't humble ourselves to our master in heaven, then we'll never be able to fully devote ourselves to a consistent prayer life and to be able to live ready with our prayers. But not only does humility force us to recognize that we need God, but it also turns our attention away from ourselves. Verse 3, verse 3 says, with all praying also for us, in other words, and pray for us, that God would open us, open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bond. See, so many times we get caught up giving God our own grocery list of what we need, what our family needs, what our friends need, what our church needs, what our neighborhood and community needs, what our schools need. But when was the last time you prayed for what the world needs? See, humility forces us to shift the focus off of ourselves. 
and shift some focus or attention to what others need. See, when was the last time you prayed that God would watch over the Ukrainians? When was the last time you prayed that God would watch over individuals in Punta Cana or in Africa? or in any other country around the world? When was the last time you asked him to deliver them, to provide for them, to watch over and protect them, to release them, to heal them, to strengthen them, to comfort them? See, humility takes the attention away from us. We ask God for that all the time. When we're in a deep, dark situation, God strengthened me. But what about strengthening somebody else who's dealing with the same or similar issue that's 30 or, or 3,000 miles away? See, that's what humility does. So we can't devote ourselves to, being, to, uh, to living ready with our prayers in a consistent prayer life until we're first willing to be humble. I think it was the great hip-hop prophet Kendrick Lamar that said, sit down, be humble. But the second step, the second step to developing this, this, this readiness, readying our prayers, to developing this Christian or, or commit, uh, consistent prayer life is commitment. First, devotion, which requires humility. And then secondly, commitment. Let's turn to Acts chapter 12, and I'm going to read for us uh, verses 1 through 12. I know it's a lot of verses. I'm going to read through it quickly, but I'm going to slow down on a couple of parts just to help you understand the context. That'll be found on page 529. Acts chapter 12. Beginning at verse 1, it says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain number of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four uh, quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. And a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird yourself and bind on your sandals. And so he did, and he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them as his own, uh, of his own accord. And they went out and passed through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter 
was come to himself, he said, now I know of the surety that the Lord hath sent this angel. He hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And we had, when he had considered this thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Here's the lesson of commitment. A few parts of this text is tailored to teach us commitment when it comes to prayer. The first part is found in verse 5. See, verse 1 tells us that King Herod arrested a bunch of Christ followers with the intention to persecute them. Then in verse 2, the Bible says that Herod killed James, one of the apostles, who was also the brother of John. Then in verse 3 and 4, it says that Herod arrested Peter with the intention to publicly humiliate him. But in verse 5, the Bible says that the church was earnestly praying for Peter. And then in verse 7, it says that the angel of the Lord suddenly appeared. And then in verses 9 and 10, that same angel led Peter out of prison. And in verse 12, the Bible says that Peter showed up at the house where the leaders and the members of the church were what? Still praying. Verse 1 tells us that King Herod had a desire and a plan to persecute the church. He killed one of the leaders of the church. He imprisoned one of the leaders of the church. But what did the church keep doing? The church kept on praying. And even after Peter had been delivered out of the hands of the enemies, when he caught up with the church, they were doing what? Still praying. Commitment. That's what's required if you're going to build a consistent prayer life. Have you ever prayed only to have your situation that you were praying for get worse? And even though the situation got worse, you kept on praying. And because you kept on praying, God finally sent an answer. And when that answer came knocking at your door, you were still what? Praying. That's what commitment to a life of prayer will do. But you have to be committed to praying even when you don't get the answer that you want. Even when your situation that you're praying for gets worse, you have to be committed to prayer until God sends the answer that you need. And even when that answer comes, guess what? Keep on praying. God will bless your commitment as long as you stay committed to consistent prayer. See, in the church that I grew up in, we used to say, he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. The church kept praying for Peter. It never says what they were praying for. But all we know is that they were committed to earnest and constant prayer. But let me ask you this. Don't you think they prayed for James? 
But even though God didn't spare James's life, they stay committed to praying for Peter. Even though they didn't get the outcome that they were looking for at first, they stayed pr committed to praying for Peter. Even though their first prayer wasn't answered the way that they had hoped, the way that they had liked, they remained faithful and committed to praying for Peter. And because they stayed committed, despite past results, God sent an angel to deliver Peter out of the hands of the enemy. Living ready with our prayers not only requires devotion, but living ready with our prayers also requires commitment. What kind of commitment? See, you got to be committed in the absence of the answers that you want. You got to be committed even in the absence of what you think God should do of how you think God should handle it. You gotta be committed even in the absence of how you think God should, should, should uh, resolve or fix your situation. Just stay committed to prayer. Don't stop praying regardless of what the outcome may be. Lastly, living ready with our prayers must also include thankful, thankfulness or thanksgiving. So the first step is being devoted. Devotion requires commitment or humility the second step is being committed regardless of of the outcome and then thirdly and lastly you have to include an element of thankfulness let's turn to colossians chapter 1 verse 3 page 568 colossians chapter 1 verse 3 and it says We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Let me just remind us, this portion of scripture, in fact, all of these scriptures that, that, uh, that we have explored today were not just directed to just anyone. They were directed to God's church, right? Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote the, his letter to the church um, in Colossians to the church at Colossae. Philippians, he wrote the Philippian letter to the church at Philippi. The author of Acts, which is presumably Luke, uh, wrote to address the formation of the Christian church, right? So God is not talking to just anybody, but he's talking to the church. He's talking to baptized believers who are signed, sealed, and saved. Why is that important? It's important because as the body of Christ, we have the most to be thankful for. Now, that's not excluding anyone. Don't get me wrong. That's not excluding anyone. It's just saying that we're in a special position that we have the most to be thankful for. So when we approach God in prayer, we ought to include an element of thanksgiving. Paul said, we always thank God for you when we pray. Not just sometimes, not just, you know, every now and then, not only when we think we have something to be thankful for, not just excuse me, when it's convenient, not just when we feel like it, not just when things are going well for us, not just when we are on top of the world, not just when we have everything that we need. The Bible says we always thank 
God when we pray. How do we thank him? We thank him for things he's already done. We thank him for things that we have and for the things that we don't have. We thank him for providing everything that we need, not just what we want. We thank him, especially when we find ourselves falling into a state of worry. We thank him when, uh, 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 when we pray. We always thank God when we pray because we want to thank him for being a provider. We thank him for being a protector. We thank him for being a healer. We thank him for being our savior. We thank him for being our source of strength. We thank him for being our rock and our refuge. We thank him for being our shelter in our time of storm. We thank him for being our joy in the midst of pain and sorrow. We thank him for being our way maker. We thank him for being our deliverer. We thank him for being merciful to us, for being faithful to us. We thank him for being a stronghold for us. For holding us even when we can't hold ourselves. So you see the point. We have a lot to thank God for. We thank him for being a comforter. We thank him for being kind. We thank him for being loving. We thank him for being caring. We thank him for being gracious. We thank him for being our savior and our redeemer. We thank him and we praise him just for being God. Bible says we always thank God when we pray. So next time that you pray, you ought to feel compelled to say, Lord, I just thank you for waking me up this morning. I thank you for watching over me. I thank you for protecting me. I thank you for the food that you provide on my table. I thank you for the roof that you've given me over my head. I thank you for things that didn't even go my way, but I know you're still working it out on my favor. The Bible says um, um, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Not just some things. But all things, that's good and the bad. So living ready with our prayers first requires being devoted. We have to devote ourselves to being committed. And then when we design or as we continue to develop our lifestyle of consistent prayer, we have to always be willing to thank God. Listen, having God with us, God's spirit in us, and Jesus interceding on our behalf should make us bold as lions. We should be confident. We should be courageous in our prayers for those around us. Remember, humility takes the focus off just out ourselves and, and gives us attention or, or, or forces us to put our attention on others. So we should have that same confidence and courage in our prayers for others around us, our neighbors, our friends, our families, our country, the world. Because God is ready to hear it all. 
The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. But the question is, are you ready to bring it to him? You can only do it through prayer. It doesn't take much. In fact, the Bible reminds us that perhaps the shortest and most powerful prayer in all the Bible is, Lord, help. Doesn't take much, but we got to be devoted. We have to be committed and we have to be willing to be thankful. So this week, here's the challenge as I wrap up. Here's the challenge. This coming week, I want us to focus on one or two situations that are in prayer that you know you need to bring to God's attention. But when you do, be willing to just lay it at his feet. See, when we worry about situations in our lives, it keeps us attached to the situation. So in order for us to let go and let God, you got to stop worrying. My granddaddy used to say, if you're going to worry, don't pray. And if you're going to pray, don't worry. So this week, I want us to focus on one or two situations in prayer that you know you need to bring to God's attention and just lay it at his feet. And even while you do that, find ways to be grateful in the midst of it all. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Bring your concerns, your questions, hopes, dreams, fears, phobias, bring all of it. Bring it all to him with boldness and confidence and be always ready in prayer, knowing that our Lord is always ready to receive and to respond. See, living a life of readiness, it takes effort and intention. But living a life worthy of any calling takes the same thing. So take some time as we finish and wrap up this series this week to consider your state of, the state of your heart and your soul. Take some time to consider the ways that you respond to the world and the situations around you. But also take some time, devoted time, to pray. And remember this. Prayer is not the least that we can do, but it's the best that we can do. And the more you pray, the less you'll panic. And the more you worship, the less you'll worry. You'll feel patient. You'll feel at rest. You'll feel a sense of peace. Right? That Philippians chapter 6 verse follows up I believe in verse 7 it says and the peace of God that's, that surpasseth all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds but you have to be willing to take the first step and the first step is devotion and then finally be thankful let us pray our Father and our God we thank you for this word we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in the midst of it all. We thank you for this medium of prayer in which we can come to you at any given moment, any given day, any given time. 
in any given situation, good or bad and in between. And we can just talk with you. Have a little talk with Jesus. We'll make everything all right. We thank you for prayer. We thank you for being the God who answers prayer. And we pray that you will help us by your spirit to recognize that even when we don't get the result that we want, that you are working it out according to what you know we believe or we need. And so, God, increase our belief, increase our faith, help us to devote ourselves and be committed to a life of consistent prayer that we might grow in a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. 